welcome. First of all, welcome. This is Unsolicited Perspectives. I'm Bruce Anthony, your host here to lead the conversation in important events and topics that are shaping today's society. Join the conversation by following us wherever you get your audio podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our video podcast. Rate, review, like, comment, share. Share with your friends, share with your family, help even share with your enemies. On today's episode, I'll be interviewing Shanti Hensherson. She's a teenage author, and we're going to be talking about her life and her books. But that's enough of the intro. Let's get to the show. You know, when I talk about Gen Z, Shanti is one of the people that I'm talking about. I am so amazed by this younger generation to just one, be entrepreneurs, two, not let society or constrictions hold them back. They are not going to be labeled. They're not going to be told what they can and cannot do. They are challenging the the foundations of constraint in society. And what I mean by that is my generation, millennials, Gen X, boomers, were told to do things a certain way in order to achieve success in order to achieve happiness because success equals happiness. Well, we've come to realize success doesn't necessarily equal happiness and following a path that's let out for you doesn't automatically lead to success. So why did we follow these forms of assimilation that said you had to do things a certain way in order to find success and be happy? Well, this younger generation, Gen Z, is not doing that. They're saying, I can do this on my own. I can do what I want to do because these things interest me. And guess what? When you do things that you love, success, happiness, money, all that comes when your heart is pure with your passion. So I'm really excited to talk to this 16-year-old author. She's written 16 books. She, uh, no, excuse me. She's written 30 books. 16 have been published. Uh, she's got different genres that she's written from. Um, you can check all of her information. It's in the bio, uh, in the description of both the audio and the video uh, podcast, as well as going to our website. We have a, a a guest profile specifically for her where you get links to all of her social media, uh, her website, as well as where you can buy her books. So that's enough of this rambling. I'm more interested in learning more about Shanti. So Let's get to the interview. Well, like I said, guys, I'm here with Shante Hershey-son, and she's a teenage author. And when I said teenage, not 18, 19. Shanti, how old are you? I'm 16. 16. And you've written, I may have old information. But you have nine published books, but 14 that you've written? No, that there's more now. <laughs> it's um 16 published books, and then I have written 30. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is the reason why I said at the top why I love Gen Z. They do things that we wouldn't even, even fathom to do uh, as a millennial Gen X or a boomer. So, Shanti, let's start from the beginning. What got you into writing? 
So I've always like really, really, really loved writing. Like I have memories of being in like first grade and like I would like scribble on like pieces of paper and I would like tape them together and make these like little books. Mm -hmm. So it's like storytelling has just always been something that I was really interested in, but it Mm -hmm. wasn't something that I thought I could do as like a kid and a teenager. I remember when I was younger, I like, I probably wrote it down somewhere. Like, I want to have a completely different job, but maybe if I am like able, I could write like one book and it would be cool. But what I didn't realize is like, I just wanted to write, I didn't want to do anything else. So as I got older, I still, you know, I kept on writing. And eventually the pandemic came around and that mm-hmm. gave me the opportunity to write my first book because mm-hmm. I was stuck at home. I was like, I need to do something. I can't just be playing video games and like watching TV all day. That doesn't work. Mm-hmm. I'm miserable. So I just started writing and the story I started writing, it was really bad. Um, it's <laughs> okay. called Biome Lock. Okay. And it's this alien invasion series. It was originally supposed to be one book. However, that mm-hmm. book got so long that it just had to be split into three different books. The first two have been published and the third one is still in editing. And okay. I it does have a place in my heart. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a really nice book. I, I don't like any of my old books though. So nothing nothing personal <laughs> against Biomluck. Well, so that's interesting. Uh to 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 just try and tie in a little bit so that there's a connection from your books and what what I'm doing right now interviewing. Um I can tell you this is the, this will be the 100th or 7th or 8th episode. I, I don't know which one. Uh, but I can tell you the first interview that I did, first few interviews I did sucked, right? And because you're just starting out, it's just starting new. So don't, I'm not going to tell you what to think or how to feel, right? If you feel like they suck, okay. But it's a hell of an accomplishment in and of itself because you yeah. first wrote this book when you were 14. That one, I was 12. Jesus, like 12. I was in middle school. I was so little. (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you something. I was uh, 10 or 11 years old, and I was first introduced to the movie The Godfather. Uh, It's still one of my top five favorite movies. And I found out, oh, it's a book. And I got the book, and at 10 years old, that book was a little too big, too dense, too explicit for me to to read. But I said, I want to write a book. I'm going to do this. So I got on this little laptop. They were much different back then. They were these big bulky things. And I started writing and I had nowhere to go. Like I had a story in my head and didn't know how to formulate it. So I know this question was going to come later, but I'm going to go ahead and jump into it now. What is your writing process? How is it different from when you were 12 to now 16? And how, and how did you go about starting to write a book? So when I began, I, um, like most people, had no idea what I was doing. Like Mm -hmm. I looked up how to write a book. But honestly, any article online like that's like how to write a book, some of them are helpful, some of them aren't. But the bottom line is it's a very personal process. And I think I made a – one of my first TikToks I ever posted was about it like that, Mm -hmm. where it's like, you know, I can kind of guide you through the process and give you some tips on what to do, but it's ultimately like up to you. Mm -hmm. So when I started writing – I was like, you know, I'm just going to – it's going to be like a short story. Obviously, I had a little too many ideas for it to be a short story. But first, like I just – when I just started, I had no idea where it was going. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, aliens. They're making humans live in biomes. Yay. Okay. And um, I was like, well, if it's good enough and maybe long enough, I'll publish it. Mm -hmm. And another um, 
like fact about me at the time is I had no idea how long a book was supposed to be. You always think in pages rather than words, but then mm. what I found is writers think in words, not pages. Wow. Okay. So I had to figure out like, well, what is the word count of, you know, my favorite book? And at the time, my favorite book, it's called The Boy Who Dared. It's a really good book. Mm-hmm. And I think I read it when I was in about fifth grade. So that was my favorite book at the time. And that's, it's a short book. It's around 30,000 words. So I was like, okay, my book is going to be 30,000 words. And I just kept writing with that goal in mind. And mm-hmm. what, so what I soon realized was if I wrote like every single day, that was much more like better. And if I wrote the same amount every day. So mm. then I started doing that and I passed the 30,000 word mark and I still <laughs> okay. was not close to being done. Right. And I was like, okay, well, there's this book I really like and it's like 50,000 words. And then of course I passed the 50,000 word mark and it just kept going until I was about 250,000 words in. I think that was around my finishing point. It's kind of complicated because technically like I finished the book at 90,000 words, but then editing, I added so much more stuff Mm -hmm. because I had to like almost rewrote the book that it was. So when I was 13, I had a 250,000 word book under my belt and that was longer than any other book I had ever read in my entire life. Wow. I do not read, like I don't read long books usually. So I'm trying to, and and as you said, the, Originally, people think as in pages, not as in words. So how many pages is that many words? So it depends on, you know, it all depends on like the typesetting and everything. But I have Mm -hmm. a printed version of it up there. And that is around 800 pages, 900 pages. It was a lot. Um, And I was a kid that I liked to read. I enjoyed Mm -hmm. reading. I did not like reading like really long books. When I was in seventh grade, I tried to read War and Peace and I did not get more than a hundred pages in. (laughs) Okay. Like I, you know, I feel like most kids really struggle with really big intimidating books, but Mm -hmm. then I'd written one. (laughs) Right. It's intimidating to edit. Yeah, that would be intimidating to edit. So, okay. I'm trying to think of the process. So years ago, years, years, years ago, I was a creative director for a professional wrestling company. So it's storytelling. And you would write a uh, program or a a script or story of where you wanted to go. And we always started, or me personally, when I wrote the script out, I started at the end where I wanted it to go and then went backwards to the beginning. How was it when you first started writing your very first book? Did you start at the end or did you start at the beginning? And then as you're writing, you're coming up with more and more stuff. I definitely started at the beginning. It was mm-hmm. a, it was a really write and see where it goes book. Um, for the first, I don't know, me 10, 20,000 words of the book. I was just writing whatever came to mind. And then eventually what happened was I started having ideas that I needed to write down for later. And mm-hmm. a lot of my ideas were really absurd and ridiculous. Like I was just writing down anything I could think of mm-hmm. because you know, this is my first book. I want it to be great. Um, but honestly, my ideas were terrible. And honestly, though, my process now is very similar to that. But I will say I do have more of an overall idea in mind now. Mm-hmm. Like with the books, with with the books I'm writing now, I'm like, well, I know how it's going to begin, obviously, and I know approximately what I want to get done by the end of the story. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a big outliner, although I'm not necessarily the kind of writer who just has keeps going and is surprised. It also depends on the book because I've had some books where I've literally written nothing down <laughs> and just, okay. just written it. Um, but usually what happens is I just, as I'm writing, I get some ideas. And by the halfway point, I have a pretty good idea 
of like what's going to happen from then on. Okay. And that's what I'm doing like with the book I'm writing right now. Although I have a really bad habit of I'm literally writing my notes inside the document <laughs> rather than on a separate, you know, thing. But right. whatever works. Yeah, it's your process, right? As you said, everybody, it's a, it's their personal journey. Writing yeah. is your personal journey. So however you get through it, you get through it. And 30 books is pretty remarkable. Now, I have to ask, because you've written so many, it's 30 books in basically four years, right? Because you started yeah. at the beginning of the pandemic. Here we are in 2024. So it's 30 books in, in, in four years. Uh, and you're in high school now. So you started when you were in middle school, you're in high school. How does writing affect your not only your academic life, but also your personal life? So I'd say that in some ways it affects my academic life because I tend to prioritize my writing over my schoolwork. Mm -hmm. With that being said, I still like get good grades and I still, um, you know, I still complete all my homework. But sometimes I like I write first and I have to do my homework like last minute. Mm -hmm. um, socially, however, I have noticed it doesn't have as much of an effect. Okay. As it may seem, I try to also just get my writing done before I see people. Mm -hmm. But sometimes if I'm seeing people like earlier in the day, then I'll just get my writing done later. But I still like I'm still able to like have a pretty normal social life. But still, I do prioritize my writing over that meaning like if I have something important that day that's like writing related, or if I have an event, I am going to do that over, you know, anything else. What's that like for you socially? Here you are, 16 year old author. You're doing interviews, you're doing, you got websites, you're doing appearances. Uh, you're basically a child celebrity. So what is that like socially for you? It can be a little scary. Mm -hmm. I have to say, I know there's a lot of people who are like, you know, in English classes, I find that it's like, you know, um, this is more so when I was in middle school than now in like ninth grade. Um, mm -hmm. But I like people, you know, we had to do this thing where people could sign up to critique your work and no one would sign up to critique mine. <laughs> I got no feedback. They were intimidated. Yeah. So people can be kind of intimidated and it's a little, it's a little upsetting because it's like, you know, I'm kind of normal. Like I right. do have normal interests too. Um, but also in many ways, it's really cool. Like, mm -hmm. and honestly, like, I wouldn't really trade it for anything. Like, it's a lot of fun, like, being able to, like, go around and meet people and do interviews and, like, sign books and stuff. And I think there's a lot of, you know, people I know who are, like, my age who don't entirely understand it because, right. you know, there's probably a lot more fun things that a teenager could be doing. But, like, to me, like, this is really fun. <laughs> right. Because this is your passion. This is where you're, yeah. this is, this is your love. How is, uh, okay, so you start at 12. What was the encouragement or discouragement like from your parents? So my parents were like really, really supportive early on. Mm -hmm. The funny thing is I didn't tell them I was writing a book at first. <laughs> I have this thing it. where for some reason I'm always like slightly embarrassed about the book I'm writing when I'm starting out. I cannot explain why. Like there's always something I'm like, oh, you know, I don't know if I want to like talk about it yet. But it just mm -hmm. like comes from like this weird like sense of like embarrassment. So... I did not talk about the book at first. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't even think I told them I was writing a book. And then one day, like, sort of mid-pandemic, um, we had, like, family over. And we were doing, you know, like, the socially distanced backyard, like, mm -hmm. thing. And I came out and I was like, do any of you guys want to read the prologue for the book I'm writing? And wow. everyone was like, What? <laughs> and then I read it. And everyone was really supportive, even though it was probably a really – bad prologue i don't entirely remember the i think kind of remember the biome lock pro 
prologue, but I could not tell you how bad it is. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not sure. But I think it was pretty, like, all over the place, especially, like, the early version of the prologue. Right. Like, pre-editing was pretty rough. Uh-huh. But um, they were all still, like, immensely supportive about it. And I was, you know, really grateful because, you know, they I know people whose parents aren't and whose right. family isn't. And that it really does, like, make a difference. I, I, I'm not a parent, but I am somebody's child. And, you know, my parents, my dad is, uh, you know, he does music and uh, the musician and my mom has always done crafts. They have their regular jobs, but they've already they've always kind of encouraged. I have a a sister and a brother. uh, They've always encouraged us to do the things that we're interested in. And arts has always been part of that interest. And I think it's very important for parents to encourage those interests in arts in their kids because it, it it expands them and their personality and their view of the world. So that's absolutely beautiful that you had yeah. so much support. And was it a little nerve wracking? Because it's not your immediate family. It was an extended family, correct? Yeah, it was like, it was really scary. And, like, you know, I didn't know, like, how they were going to react because, you know, I'd never shared – I don't think I'd shared the prologue with really anyone. Mm-hmm. I do kind of remember that I think I sent it to, like, my seventh grade teacher. Mm-hmm. But other than that, like, you know, like, no one had read it. And, of course, like, your teacher's going to be nice to you. Right. Then again, your family's going to be nice to you too. But – well. That sometimes, you know, yeah. my family is, you know, we, we, we cut to the truth and just, you know, if it, if it's bad, it's bad. If it's good, it's good. Um, yeah. so you write about diverse genres and we'll get into, um, some of your more recent books and you won't know her name and, um, I know her name, but not only are you doing poetry, you're doing dystopia, you're doing sci-fi. How it, that, do these ideas just come to you and it's like, I want to write about that? Or is it strategic? Do you write a book and say, okay, I want to try to write something different. So I'm going to go over here. That's completely opposite of what I was doing before. It's a mix of both. I have to say a lot of the time I just have an idea. I remember um, when I first started writing Biomlock, which is also like my first dystopian book, I didn't even know what the genre was. I was just like, aliens i guess this is Mm sci-fi but now i do have a pretty clear idea of what the genre is as i'm writing and typically it's just like an idea pops in my head or i see something somewhere and i'm like you know this would make a pretty cool book but other times you know especially when i have the books that are like really 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 long Mm -hmm. for example the book i'm writing right now i'm about 120,000 words in and i'm it's a ya book so it's a little complicated Mm -hmm. it's not supposed to be that long right but i'm like you know i don't want to write another high school book i gotta write something different Mm. you want to challenge your writing ability yeah yeah okay i can dig that um so let's get into some stuff that you talk about and you won't know her name and that book tackles the issues of bullying um can you share the inspiration of writing that book yeah, so you own her name is very, very much based on a true story. Mm-hmm. I, it's like it's basically like exactly like what happened to me, and it's um it was a hard book to write. So I started writing it, and I think I you know it was actually a pretty quick process because it's poetry. So mm-hmm. I wrote it when I was thirteen years old, and it was the summer between seventh and eighth grade, mm-hmm. and I like I just didn't really think anything was gonna come of it at first. I so I got bullied 
really, really badly when I was in sixth grade. Mm. And it was horrific. It was terrible. Like the book really goes into it a lot. And mm-hmm. the response I received from my school was very much like, oh, it's just middle school. It happens all the time. Hmm. And evidently, it's not just middle school. <laughs> but no. I, you know, I felt silenced. I felt like there was nothing I could do. I tried like speaking at like board meetings about it. I tried meeting with like just anyone I could trying to make a difference in my school and really nothing was happening. So I was Mm -hmm. like, well, I could write a book about it. Mainly also it was just because I wanted to get the story off my chest. I was really tired of being told to like be quiet. Mm -hmm. So I started writing it and then I published it. Honestly, it was kind of random compared to my other releases. I was just like, okay, I'm writing this book. It's going to come out in a few days. You know, buy it if you want. Right. And my marketing at the beginning was really weak. But what I found was the book like instantly did really well. And it did, it started doing better than like all of my other books. Hmm. So did you, with the audience that read the book, and I'm going to assume that, that, uh, okay, first let me ask you, what was the core audience that bought and read this book? It's always hard to tell, but it's definitely a mix of like teenagers that are currently, um, you know, going through hard times at school and just, you know, teenagers in general. So um, there's a lot of adults who've read the book and reviewed it and have said that it brought them back to their own middle school days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the reason why I, I love Gen Z. You guys will make sure that your voices are heard. I have not been a teenager in a very long time, but I absolutely remember what it was like. And I had a different experience. Um, I was more of a taller guy, bigger kid. So I wouldn't get bullied that much because there was a physicality that I would bring to it. But there was still bullying. There was people picking on and it didn't change like middle school, high school. Guess what? There's always these kind of people as you grow up that are bullies. Um, yeah. But I'm interested in, and I want to get back to that, but I'm interested in the dystopia start of your writing. Was that because you had an interest in just aliens and invasion? Because dystopia is really, I mean, we're talking like Mad Max. It's the end of the world bad type of situations. Was this how you were viewing the world that you were living in at the time? Or was it just some, something that you it was just cool to see and examine? I'd say yes and no. I think um, there was a part of me that really wrote it from this place of like frustration mm-hmm. with like things that were going on in the world. But there was also, you know, a part of me that was like, this is cool. <laughs> like, right. I like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really like, um, you know, a lot of it was just like, I was interested in aliens and stuff. But there's also, I noticed in Biomlock, and this isn't even something I became aware of until years after, there's a lot of themes of isolation in the book. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, we were going through a global pandemic. So I right. was really isolated and I was, you know, stuck at home for most of the time. And it felt really, really challenging to just like go outside. Mm -hmm. And that kind of is reflected in Biomlock. And I just think, you know, it's really interesting because that wasn't something I was at all aware of Mm -hmm. at the time. It was just something that I was writing. And then I realized it really kind of a lot of the things the characters are going through reflected how I felt at the time. Oh, wow. The the isolation. Because I've always been fascinated at, at how it affected 
your generation. Because me, I'm a grown adult. I loved <laughs> being isolated yeah. because uh, eh, I don't like socializing and going out that much. Just when you get older, these things happen. But for your generation, for your age, that's what you want to do. You want to be around your friends. You want to go out. You want to do things. How isolated, not only from the pandemic, but just in life in general, when comparing to the book, You Won't Know Her Name, did you feel? In other words, so you were being bullied in the sixth grade. Pandemic comes. So did you feel isolated from the bullying and then it's just added on to the fact that the pandemic comes and there's an extra isolation extra layer of isolation there i think honestly kind of the opposite like hmm. i was feeling really isolated during the mm -hmm. pandemic i also kind of felt kind of free wow okay because you know i couldn't you can't really easily get bullied in the middle of the pandemic true. there's cyberbullying um but that didn't happen until seventh grade so um you know it was a point where I was like, well, I don't have much to worry about. And honestly, at first, like the first maybe month or so of the pandemic was great. Like, I am not a particularly social person. Mm -hmm. I'm a bit of an introvert. I didn't really mind like watching TV all day and not having to go to school in person. Mm -hmm. But then, of course, you know, got bored. Right. And really, it was the boredom that caused that isolation because, you know, there were things I started to miss. Like, mm -hmm. I really missed the trampoline park. Mm -hmm. And I missed, um, you know, like, going out to eat. And I missed, like, going traveling. So that's where the isolation came from is, like, the little things, like, I missed rather than, like, I didn't really miss talking to people. <laughs> mm -hmm. But, you know, I still got through it. And how I got through it was writing. Yes. And that's a fantastic outlet so before we before we end this segment we talked about you won't know her name but then you follow that book up with i know her name can you tell my audience what that book is about and how they complement one another yeah so i know her name is a very very real co collection of poetry and i say it's very real because it's just genuinely poems i wrote like before, during, and after the publication of You Own Her Name. Like, a lot of the poems are poems I wrote while I was being bullied. And then there are mm -hmm. some I wrote after, and mm -hmm. reflecting on everything, and feeling almost, like, sympathy for the bully, but at the same time, like, wishing I'd never met her. Mm -hmm. And, like, all of these, it's a lot of really complicated emotions. It's a very edgy poetry book to the point where it's like, I'm like, oh, I don't like this. Because it's like middle school poetry, but it's also, you know, I kind of like that it's middle school poetry because it's just, it's real. Right. It's things I wrote when I was 13. You know, the poems don't have to be amazing for the message to get across. Right. They're raw and authentic. And that's the yeah. most important thing. Hey there, podcast listeners. It's Bruce Anthony here. And welcome to another episode of Unsolicited Perspectives. Today, I want to talk to you about something that's been on my mind lately, the importance of staying hydrated and taking care of ourselves. Whether it's prioritizing our health and wellness or gearing up for festival seasons or just gearing up for whatever season or time of year, there's one brand that's been my go-to for all things hydration, Liquid IV. Speaking of health and wellness, let's dive into how Liquid IV can fuel your well-being. Imagine starting your day off right, feeling refreshed and energized. Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier is the missing piece in your daily routine. With just one stick, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. It's perfect for those early mornings, pre-workout boosts, moments when you're just feeling run down, or even after a late night or long flights. 
I absolutely love how convenient Liquid IV is. The packaging makes it easy to bring with me wherever I go. And let me tell you, it's become vital daily part of my routine. The flavors, <laughs> let me tell you something, they're incredible. From refreshing sea berry and strawberry lemonade to classics like lemon lime and watermelon, there's a flavor for every preference. It's like a burst of hydration with a hint of deliciousness. Picture this. One stick of liquid IV mixed in 16 ounces of water, hydrating you two times faster and more efficient than water alone. And with 12 mouth water and flavors, you'll never get bored with your hydration routine. Plus, liquid IV is packed with five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and of course, vitamin C. It's also made with premium ingredients, non-GMO, free of gluten, dairy, and soy. This is hydration at its finest, but it doesn't stop there. Liquid IV believes that access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. That's why they partner with leading organizations finding innovative solutions to help communities protect both their water and their futures. It's incredible to know that Liquid IV has already donated over 39 million servings in 50 plus countries around the world. They truly walk the talk. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code unsolicited at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code unsolicited at liquidiv.com. Remember folks, taking care of ourselves should always be a priority. So why wait? Head over to liquidiv.com, pick your favorite flavors and experience hydration like never before. Stay refreshed, stay hydrated, and keep rocking those unsolicited perspectives. So Shanti, writing about the themes of bullying, I want to get into how the bullying affected you. I know you used writing as an outlet in order to deal with the bullying, but I want to know like how the bullying personally affected you. And then how has writing these books and the audience response to these books affected you? Because I'm sure there's some people that have come to you and said, your book inspired me to tell my story. Your book inspired me to realize I'm not alone, which is so very, very important for people to realize that they're not alone. So can you get into a little bit about one, how the bullying affected you personally, and then the response to your books? afterwards yeah being so young the bullying affected me in like some like kind of strange ways like for one you know a very typical way I was terrified I was absolutely terrified to come to school mm -hmm. I you know I'd never had a panic attack really before then mm -hmm. and I was like you know panicking I was just like you know how did this happen to me because you know I don't want to get into like exactly what happened too much because I don't want right, to spoil right. the book right but you know this person was my friend and mm -hmm. then them being my friend turned into this really weird, you know, like disturbing relationship. Right. And I was in many ways confused. I didn't know how I was supposed to handle it. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't want to be the kid that was like, oh, you know, I'm so scared. But I kind of, you know, was in many ways. There was mm -hmm. also a part of me that was like, oh, you know, like I'm trying to find a way to word this. That's not, you know, I was like. Say what you feel. I want revenge. Not that I ever even got revenge, but mm -hmm. one thing I did was um, there was this particular TV show I really liked that they constantly like made comments about. 
Mm. And like that, you know, a lot of the bullying had to do with the things I was interested in. Of course, it was much more deeper than that now that I'm older. But that's kind of like when I also when I was younger, like I didn't even fully understand what was going on. I was like, oh, they bullied me because I didn't like this TV show. It was a lot more than that, you know. Mm So I wore a different shirt of that show every single day at one point. <laughs> um, I also, you know, I really made it known, like, I don't feel comfortable around this person. And I wasn't shy about talking about it, which, you know, in some ways I feel a little bad about. But also, you know, it's kind of the, you know, I warned people. And what I realized was there were a lot of people that had the same experience, like, at my school, like, with that person. It was, and it turned into this really long kind of conflict with my school administration where it's like Mm. there is evidence that this person really needs to get help Mm -hmm. but you're not doing anything about it you know wow so wow so you're dealing with all of that and you're writing books yeah publish these two very very important books that deal with bullying what was the response like when people read those books the response, you know, it was amazing. Like, I always think You Won't Know Her Name is not that good of a book overall just because the writing style kind of annoys me now because, like, it's poetry, but the poetry is not even that good. And I, you know, should have done it differently. But either way, the response was amazing. Like, Mm -hmm. I've had so many reviews and I've received messages from people who are like, this book really helped me. Like, you know, this book made me feel like I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. And that was really good because then those messages made me feel like I wasn't alone. Right. And it's really like, you know, I help my readers and my readers help me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just like reading the reviews of people who are like, you know, like especially the adults who are like, you know, this book brought me back to my own middle school days. It's a really surreal feeling because, mm. you know, it means your writing really touched people. And of course, right. you know, I'm sure like my other books have touched people too, but those are like, you know, action packed sci fi books. So they don't necessarily touch people in the way that these like personal books do. For example, um, one of my more recent books had the same effect. And it's, you know, the first time I've had that response since You Own Her Name. And mm-hmm. those are some of the kinds of books I enjoy writing the most or the ones that I know are really going to impact people and are really going to make a difference more so than just giving people like a good time. You know what? I I think that filling somebody's mind, taking somebody's mind away and filling somebody's heart is Fantastic. And that's the reason why I was really fascinated with not only your age and being an author, but how you tackle different genres. You are helping people with every book that you write. But I'm interested, you said the more recent book that you did. Could you tell my audience about the more recent book that you did that also has given you the same kind of uh, uh, appreciation or the same kind of effect on you personally as... uh, um, you won't know her name, and I know her name. Yes, yeah, so I have a book called Helipads of Heaven. I actually have it. Like, okay, there you go. It sitting on my desk, and this is an author copy though, so it has the ugly banner. But it was, um, it was a pretty interesting book because it wasn't actually supposed to be as deeply personal as it was, and the idea started out from a daydream I had. Hmm. And where I was like, oh, it would be really interesting if I got to like talk to my younger self who is like really into writing. So that mm-hmm. was the basis for it. And then I wrote down like, oh, well, imagine an author time traveling to like talk to their younger self. Wow. And, you know, there's a lot of plot holes in that. But what happened was I started writing the screenplay. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, it was for my freshman creative writing class. And I just, I loved writing it. It was a 45 page screenplay. It was like, 
the longest like work in the class, which was embarrassing. And it it went from being an author just time traveling to talk to her younger self to an author who's like enlisted as the first time traveler and has to observe her younger self, but she can't interact. So it then becomes this sort of, um, you know, there's now a conflict. Mm-hmm. But as I was writing it, it was basically me in like 20 year, not 20 or so years, and I'm like really, really, really famous, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go travel back in time. So it really is all the characters are based on me, more so the younger self than the older self, obviously. And um, I also happened to get bullied when I was in fourth grade, and it wasn't nearly as bad as what I experienced when I was in middle school, but it was still, you know, it was something that still hurt. Mm-hmm. So the author, you know, unknowingly gets sent right back in time to that period. Wow. And she has to try not to, like, interact. And at the same time, you know, we have the younger self's point of view, and we watch as she, you know, explores her love of writing, but also has it be taken away by, like, unsupportive teachers and mean classmates. So it's like we have these two things at once and, you know, the bullying is really, really, really realistic and just ex- basically just exactly like what happened to me. Um, and then at the same time, we have this cool like time travel adventure where this author is going back and like visiting all these nostalgic things and like taking notes and really trying to like, you know, get an understanding of like how she got to the point she was. And then, of course, it all starts to come together when she realizes like, you know, she can't just like sit aside and, you know watch like right you know her younger self be like tormented that's a dope story (laughs) um okay so that leads me to a different question because you're still a student and you're still taking english courses what is it like what is the dynamic like with teachers when they find out when you enter in their classroom this is a published author it definitely, again, like, you know, depends. Mm-hmm. I have most, like, all my teachers right now are all, like, extremely supportive. But in the past, I've had teachers that are, like, not supportive. Mm-hmm. And that's a very, you know, challenging, like, thing to have. I, I would think that that, with, as the older you get, you'll you'll receive less and less challenge. That's definitely uh, be- how it's been, yeah. Yeah, because they'll see you more, not quite as a peer but more of an adult. Whereas when you were younger, they were probably like, this little kid thinks that they're smarter than I am. And that's yeah. not what you're doing. You're, and in a way, are is, is your writing therapy? Because a yeah. lot of it is very personal. Definitely, yeah. So when you when you write, is there a, a release of relief? Yeah, it really, especially in the books that are, that are like, you know, personal to me that have a lot of things based on true stories, it really does feel like I'm getting things off my chest. Mm-hmm. Like occasionally, you know, there are things I'm writing that's like I've never told anybody. And then right. being able to like get it off my chest and able to like really share it with my readers and have people that relate to these experiences is really, really, really great. Like I'm feeling it with a book I'm writing right now where it's um it's not really based on a true story, but there's like little things and characters that are based on real people. Mm-hmm. And then being able to write them is just really relieving and it kind of frees me of that like you know, internal like anxiety almost that I have. Right. Does do you think in, it's easier? Obviously, I'm, I'm asking probably a dumb question here, but it's, for you, it's probably easier to write it in the form of a character as opposed for you to come out and just say, "This is what's going on for me." But it, but you're writing the character is you or pieces of you, and you're saying your truth through the character. And that, and so you don't have to say it 
yourself. Yeah, Your I definitely. Work says it. Yeah. It's like it is easier a lot of the time, especially with like people I don't know. Like I'm always like, you know, I don't want to tell like people I don't know too well, like a lot of stuff. But mm-hmm. then I'm kind of telling, you know, straight complete strangers things like, you know, through my writing. But also like when it comes to my close family, like I'm very open. So right. I just straight up to say things. Okay. Um, okay. So can you tell me what it's like trying to get your work published? Yeah. So I, I self-publish with Kindle Direct Publishing. And in some ways that it makes the process easier. Mm-hmm. And in many ways it makes it really, really difficult because I have to do everything on my own. Mm-hmm. I, of course, you know, I have an editor and I hire cover designers, but all of that outreach is completely me. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I have to like reach out to designers. I have to, you know, figure out the whole, thankfully, you know, I've published enough books now that KDP is like pretty easy for me. But, you know, occasionally there's like little hiccups that make it really, really annoying. <laughs> So anybody can self-publish a book that they want to. What are the processes for some? Because there are going to be some people out here that are going to listen and watch this and say, you know, I've had this idea for a book a really long time, but I don't know how to even begin getting it published. Or maybe they have a finished book and they're shopping it to publishers, not knowing that there's an option to self-publish. So like, what, what is the process of, of doing that? Yeah, so really all you do is you go on Amazon's KDP, or I also use Ingram Spark for my expanded distribution. Mm-hmm. And what you do what you do from there is you have to like, you know, fill out this form that's like, you know, books title, all the information, and then you upload the files and then like you set the pricing and you know, you do the categories and the description and then you, you know, you like set the price I think I said set the pricing already. But yeah. anyways, and then you hit publish. And and it and it publishes. Not instantly. It has to go through review, but I've never had a book really get rebounded unless there's like maybe the cover is not the right size or something like that. Okay. But, so everyone can publish a book, but not everyone can like publish a successful book. And uh, really yeah, the difference yeah. is, is like, you know, you have to do all the marketing on your own. So you have to be able to like reach out to book reviewers and interviewers and you have to be able to do advertising. And that's the tricky part of self-publishing. And and so that's okay. So for you, because you finally you've gotten you've gotten the groove of things, right? Like you know you've you've done. I forgot what the number was. You said it was sixteen published books. Yeah. But written thirty, so it was sixteen published books. So now you've already you know the the system of how to go from A to Z to formulating the idea to getting it published with all of the marketing and the cover art and all that other stuff. But how hard is that process that very first time that you did that? Oh my gosh. It was so with the first like act, like book I published, it's very complicated because Biomlock, which is the first book I wrote, wasn't the first book I published. Mm-hmm. I had this novella called the um like Chronicles of it's actually the Nightmare of Zaldelane. It's a series of novellas called The Chronicles of Zaldelane. And that was my first, you know, book that I was doing it all on my own. And honestly, in some ways it's really hard. In many ways it's not, because when you have no idea what you're doing, <laughs> it's in some ways easier because right. it's random stuff. So I didn't have a marketing plan at all. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just like, I'll throw it on Amazon, promote it. And then slowly I started being really able to like promote the book. And I started learning about like newsletter promotions and advertising. But Mm -hmm. it was a slow process. And now I'd say with like my current books, it's in some ways much easier and it's in some ways much harder Mm. because 
now I really know how elaborate it is. And I have to come up with these really detailed marketing plans and like do all Mm -hmm. the budgeting and figure out, you know, like what needs to happen before certain dates. And it's a lot more, but also in some, in a completely different way, it's a lot easier now that I have it all written out. I don't need to completely scramble to like get everything to work. You know, I'm always thinking of, I'm an entrepreneur at heart, and I'm always thinking of ways to create business. What you're describing is you can sell yourself as a publisher. In other words, you can, somebody could come to you, say, I have this book. I don't know how to to promote it, to market it, to to sell it the price point. And you could charge people. I can, I, a consultant right? An agency like yeah. you, you, and you're building this knowledge at such a young age. The, the world is your oyster. You can literally do whatever you want in the literary in literary world because you started so young and you're doing it all yourself. I, I just think this is just really, really remarkable. You should Thank really, you. really be proud of yourself because to be 16 years old and to be doing all of this is just absolutely commendable. Um, I kind of want to go back to bullying and you, you, t- you made it personal and you talk about it a lot and, and it's affecting people. Is this something that you feel like you're going to continue to go down this path as far as writing about bullying and personal stuff because it touches people? Definitely. I'm not sure entirely about bullying. The book I'm writing right now is also sort of about bullying and about how schools handle it. Mm-hmm. But definitely, I do love writing, you know, personal books. And on the other hand, I do love writing the really fun, like mm-hmm. action, like, you know, kind of violent books. So we, we will see because, you know, what I find is like I write, you know, one of those and then I write like a personal book and I kind of almost alternate. So I think Mm -hmm. I'm definitely going to continue doing both, but I do really enjoy writing these personal books. I have actually, I'm planning like a memoir about something completely different. So I'm thinking that's something that I might do because always, you know, connecting with people on, you know, a more like relatable level is always Mm -hmm. fun than just connecting with people through like action-packed books with aliens and robots. But even still, you know, I do enjoy writing those books too, and I don't think I'm ever going to stop writing those. So you wrote... You said earlier you wrote the screenplay, and and I think that's that's a fantastic movie. I, I want that to get done. What is what is the long goal here? Is it to continue to be an author? Is it to write screenplays and develop movies? Is this something that you're thinking about in college? What are what are what is what is your what are your plans for the next few years as you get out of high school and move on into, I guess they call it adulthood, but you seem pretty adult already, but technically 18 is adulthood. Uh, So what is the plan for the next few years of what you want to do as far as your writing and your career? I definitely want to do a little bit of everything when it comes to writing. I did really enjoy writing the screenplay. So that book, Hell in Heaven, like I wrote it as a screenplay and mm-hmm. that was a lot of fun. But then honestly, I had more fun turning it into a novel, but now I have both. But there's mm-hmm. like the novel is so much better. But I do still think like even though like I write better novels than I do screenplays, like screenwriting is definitely something that I'd be interested in. I think, you know, it can be helpful to like write a screenplay version of a book and, you know, the novel version mm-hmm. and, you know, potentially like if I can become a screenwriter when I'm older and actually, you know, see my work at the big screen, like that would be amazing. 
So what is the difference between, there's obviously a difference, but what is the difference in writing between writing a novel and writing a screenplay? Because they are different. Um, I was watching a TV show um, and it was based on The Godfather. And Mario Puzo wrote The Godfather, the novel, but he had to ad adapt it to a screenplay and it's a different form of writing. So can you explain to the audience how that different form of writing affects uh, a novel and a screenplay? Yeah, so a screenplay is very just straightforward. It's, you know, you have to show everything. Mm -hmm. You can't just... Well, I guess you kind of have to. I guess you you more have to show it than you have to tell. Which that's the same with writing novels, but it's all visual. You have mm -hmm. to show the character's emotion through their facial expressions. You can't just write, you know, this character is sad and they're thinking this. So it's all very visual, and it's a lot quicker. You know, mm. screenplays are like mostly dialogue, and then right. a little bit of you know description when you're describing like a. But even actually, not really. <laughs> Okay. Like I found that, you know, most of the description, you know, that's the job of the set designer. So mm. it's like all dialogue where a novel is a lot more internal a lot of the time where you can really go into the characters like thoughts as opposed to having to show them. And that was a real challenge when I was writing the screenplay for Helipads in Heaven, because mm -hmm. what I had the character do is I had the character do a voiceover and like talk mm. about things because otherwise I had no way to show what was like what was, you know, how right. she connected to any of the places. But it still it worked. And then when I was turning that into a novel, which is, you know, now the published version, like I just, you know, had it is like regular description. So what can my audience expect from you as far as the next grouping of books that are that come out? You said you're working on one right now. What what is the latest book that's released right now? And what are you working on now? You don't have to give us all the, the plot points. We're not going to do that. But just an idea of what's coming down the pipeline. So my most recent book is technically, it's a crossover between Biome Lock and the Chronicles of the Zyle Delane. But that's not one of my major releases. So still technically like my most recent like big book is Helipads in Heaven. But upcoming, I'd say you can expect a lot of books that are similar to my old stuff. I have a book coming out on April 29th. And it's going to be number 17. It's called Little Green Man. I actually wrote it during the summer of 8th and ninth grade. So I wrote it when I was 14. But <laughs> okay. I just, you know, just got around to it. And that's mm -hmm. a, obviously it has aliens, but it's more of a mystery. And it has a lot more like high school. And it's more realistic than like my crazy action-packed books. So, like it's a lot more grounded. But there's aliens. Okay. There's aliens. And then right. after that – I'm going to release hopefully the final two books in the Never Dying series. So 2024 is uh, going to be a year for a lot of older books hey, and look. a lot of like older series. But it's also like, you know, a lot of action, a lot of fun. And in there somewhere, I'm hopefully going to release some more like personal, realistic like memoirs and things as well. Okay, and maybe cool. poetry. Uh, hey, look, especially when the poetry that you're writing uh, it's so deep, so personal and touching so many people. I would definitely say, I would definitely encourage you to keep doing that. Um, Thank you. Is there anything that you want to leave my audience with that you've learned throughout the process of becoming this young author? Yeah. So a really big tip of mine, it's kind of cliche, it's kind of corny, but don't let your age get in the way. And mm. this not only applies to teenagers, but it applies to adults because, mm. you know, there are a lot of adults who are like, oh, I'm too old to write a book. I should have written it when I was younger. You know, you're never too old or too young to write a book. And, you know, on the other hand, there are teenagers that are like, oh, you know, I'm too young. I'm just going to do this when I'm older. But if I can do it, you can too. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much for coming on the show. 
I've really, really enjoyed this conversation. And as I said to everybody, we're going to put the website in the descriptions. Go check out her books. Her books are for everybody. They're not just for teenagers. They're for everybody. And this is a, this is a star, but this is going to be a superstar. You guys are going to want to get on the bandwagon. I mean, we're jumping in it in the middle. We didn't jump on it early. We're jumping in, in the middle, but we got to get on this bandwagon. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Wow. Shanti is such an extraordinary young individual. That was really a dope interview. And I love a lot of things that she said, and I'm going to get to that in a minute. But I want to uh, point everybody to her website. It's Shanti Hensherson. It's S-H-A-N-T-I-H-E-R-S-H-E. E-N-S-O-N.com that you can get all the information on her, uh, her books, uh, her social media. Also, like I said, that information will be provided in the descriptions of both the audio and video podcast. And if you go to our website, there's a special guest profile for her. Uh, But this 16-year-old just dropped some wisdom in some of the last things that she said. When she says, your age doesn't determine whether you can or cannot do something. And I, that registered with me. I'm 43 years old. I started this podcast at, at 42. I wish I had started it at 25 when I originally came up with the idea of internet radio show, right? But like, it's not too late for me to try something new. Conversely, I'm, in addition to that, she's started writing when she was 12 years old. And you know how she did it? She didn't hesitate. She didn't think too much about it. She just did it. And oftentimes I think people are stuck in their head and it holds them back from accomplishing things that they could accomplish, dreams that they could reach because they could come up with all types of reasons of why not to do it. Or this isn't the right time, or I don't have the money, or I don't have time to do it right now, or I'm too busy with other things that are going on, or I don't know how to get started, or when I finish it, I don't know what to do. That seems like a lot of work. I don't know if I'm up to the task. The only way you find out is by just doing it. And Shanti proved that you can just decide to do something, follow your passion. And look, like I said, she's 16 years old. 16 published books, 30 written. And she's got more on it. This young lady just broke down her 2024. And it's something like four books that that she's got planned to come out. And did you peep her game? She does all the marketing, all the promoting, and she figured out how to do it on her own. The design, all that stuff. She figured out how to do it on her own. And she started doing this at 12 years old. Don't tell me that you're too old to do something. And don't tell me this younger generation is too young to accomplish something. So often I speak to older people and they they push away the younger generation when the younger generation speaks up. And you hear it just in the interview when I asked her how her English teachers take her, right? When she was younger, they brushed her aside and, and didn't really want to pay attention to her. But now that she's getting older, they look at her a little bit differently and they say, oh, we want to give you a little bit more, I don't know, cred for what it is that you're doing. When fact of the matter is, she's doing something that they either couldn't fathom doing or couldn't do on their own. Most young, most older people look at this younger generation 
And they say, well, I couldn't do that when I was younger. So what makes me think that they can do it? They're more advanced. They have more access to information than we ever did. I'm an 80s and 90s baby. The only way for me to get my information before Windows 95 came out and Windows 95 came out when I was in high school. The only way to get information was actually going to the public library or finding encyclopedias. And guess what? Sometimes those encyclopedias were made in the 60s and 70s and they weren't giving you accurate information for the 80s or 90s. Now, information's literally at the palm of our hands. I told the story of when I was at my sister's house for uh, for Christmas. And all we did was debate, argue, uh, have conversations, and use Google all day to figure out the answers to our questions. This younger generation has grown up with that. They are smarter. They are more advanced than what we were at that young age. Are they young? Yes. Do young people make crazy decisions? Yes. They're still teenagers. But don't tell me that they can't accomplish things just because you couldn't do it at your age. They're different and we need to start respecting them. And and I wanted to do this interview with Shanti because I think she is a remarkable person. I'm not even going to say young person because she dropped a jewel of knowledge on me. You can get advice and learn something from the younger generation. She's 16. I'm 43. I learned something. And it's not something I didn't already know, but the way she said it and the way she presented it was clear. And it was accurate and it was important. And I feel like everybody can learn something from this young lady and from the younger generation. They'll show us the way. She just showed all adults. You can self-publish. You don't have to shop your book around. You can do it yourself. Is it a little bit more challenging? Yes. You can actually do it yourself if you put the work in. Nothing and nobody can stop you from doing the things that you want to accomplish if your mind is set to it and you put in the work. So Shanti, thank you for coming on. Thank you for blessing us with that knowledge. Y'all go out there, check out her website, buy her books. Because that, that screenplay that she wrote, that she turned into a book, I, I'm going to buy it because that's a dope, that's a dope, dope story. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And until next time, as always, I'll holla. Whew, that was a hell of a show. Thank you for rocking with us here on Unsolicited Perspectives with Bruce Anthony. Now, before you go, don't forget to follow, subscribe, like, comment, and share our podcast wherever you're listening or watching it to it. Pass it along to your friends. If you enjoy it, that means the people that you rock with will enjoy it also. So share the wealth, share the knowledge, share the noise. And for all those people that say, well, I don't have a YouTube. If you have a Gmail account, you have a YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can actually watch our video podcast but the real party is on our patreon page after hours uncensored and talking straight ish after hours uncensored is another show with my sister and once again the key word there is uncensored those are exclusively on our patreon page jump onto our website at unsolicitedperspective.com for all things us that's where you can get all of our audio video our blogs and even buy our merch and if you're really feeling genuine 
and want to help us out, you can donate on our donations page. Donations go strictly to improving our software and hardware so we can keep giving you guys good content that you can clearly listen to and that you can clearly see. So any donation would be appreciated. Most importantly, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for listening and watching and supporting us. And I'll catch you next time. Audi 5000. Peace.